Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 93, 500cc world champion. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. All right, welcome back to the show. Hey, shout out to uh, all of our men and women of law enforcement, surely those that serve our country, no matter the uniform they wear or where they serve. Uh, you guys are always in our thoughts and our prayers, and uh, we appreciate your service. Thank you very much. And did I say uh, did I say firefighters as well? Did you see this story, Jack? Uh, Des Moines police officers were, were called to assist in traffic and whatnot around a fire. Um, in a neighborhood here in Des Moines where our, mm-hmm. our home studios are. Yep. And they were throwing little children out the window to get them away from the fire. Yep. They did that and caught each of them, yeah. got them on the ground. They yeah. were fine. And and what's cool, these four officers, I think, are going to get some kind of a commendation. They should. Yes, they but, should. Uh, they, they saved those little babies. And uh, congratulations to, and a recognition, tip of the cap, if you will, to how the... Many, huh? How many stories do they throw these kids down? Three. Three stories. They Three threw stories. Sh- babies, and they caught them, and they aren't... Got you. You bet. They caught them. That's, a, that's what's amazing, because you can see the body cams of these babies coming at these officers. And then what did the cops do? They jump out, too, or what? They no, were the cops, cops were on the ground waiting for their babies to be thrown to them by the parents. Oh, the parents threw them. Yeah. Yes. 10-4, I get it. What about the parents? They, they, uh, they had to go in and get them, but they got them. Yeah, nobody was hurting that fire. That was God. amazing too, because you could see the fire coming out the windows. Bad. Yeah. So uh, again, tip of the cap to uh, our, our. That was uh, here in town, huh? Yeah, men and women of law enforcement. It was an early morning fire, like yeah. about three, three thirty. Yeah, Ooh, three, three yes. thirty in the that's, morning. That's not early morning. That's middle of the night. Well, for some, um, for some people, Depends like those cops, that's what morning or a Saturday <laughs> night or a Wednesday night, I guess. Welcome back to the show. It is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, part of the Evergreen uh, podcast system, if you will. I uh, do want to thank our friends uh, Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, Jack and Leanne DeLeon, as always, producing this very program. I'm Scott Casper for Tony Wink. And uh, PJ, uh, I understand, we'll be back again next week, but uh, he had some uh, business to attend to. This portion of our show brought to you by Fly Racing and their light hydrogen line, the very first true light racewear to the uh, market and the original gear line to define the minimalist effort. Now, lightweight, you bet. They got that going on in spades. But when you're first to the market, what do you have to do, Tony? You got to do what? Got to keep it pinned. What? Stay on the gas. Fly continues to develop and improve their premium gear with the addition of the BOA system, which I, I really think is super smart. Uh, this revolutionary waste adjustment system offers fast, on-the-fly micro-adjustability with a truly dialed-in fit. A simple turn of the dial delivers unparalleled performance, comfort, and convenience. Those are all things riders, you know, desperately need and and uh, crave. So, yeah, we're going to invite you to check out Fly online. Go to flyracing.com. Ask for it at a dealer near you. Tony? All right. Our next guest is Jake Johnson, another very fast road racer, and uh, he 
Finished eighth overall in the American Flat Track Twins last year with 11 top 10 finishes, including two podiums and a win at the Buffalo Chip. He joins us now. What's up, Jake? How are you? Hey, what's happening? How are you guys doing? We're fine, other than Scott. I mean, we're doing great. Um, <laughs> it's uh, nice to have one of my favorite flat track guys on the show, and I just – I don't know if I say that off air normally, but hmm. I'm pretty big. You do. I'm pretty big Jake Johnson sure fan. Sure you are. Sure you are. JJ. You can call him JJ if you want. I'm going to call him Jake Johnson. Okay. Yeah. How's it going so far, bud? Oh, not bad. Not bad. Obviously, uh, Daytona went fairly well for us. Uh, came out of there with third, mm-hmm. you know, third place. Uh, kind of, you know, was hoping for better, but, uh, you know, kind of somewhat of a new team, new bike, um, you know, come out on the podium. But track was tough, too. So, uh, come out of there in third was good. And, uh, you know, we had uh, round two this past weekend in Atlanta. And I can say that I, you know, stunk the place up. Was uh, <laughs> Came home. Uh, That's honesty right whopping there. 16th, 16th place. sucks, Jake. So, uh, yeah. Hmm. yeah. That was uh, zero to zero real quick. Talk about it. What was, What's different? What happened? What happened? Uh just, uh, I think it's just some, maybe just some growing pain. Uh, like I said, you know, um, uh, with Essence and Racing again this year, I was with them last year, but uh, this year it's kind of, uh, you know, same, you know, team name, team owner, but, uh, whole, you know, basically a whole new crew. We got, you know, five riders on the team, uh, some brand new Yamaha MTO7 DTs. Uh, so kind of developing a new bike and, you know, Daytona, you know, last couple of years, I mean, most of my career, I've always been a, you know, pretty good TT guy. So, you know, was able to, uh, you know, do well there. And Atlanta, who was, uh, a pretty slippery, uh, slippery short track and, uh, just, you know, just had trouble getting, uh, getting the thing to hook up and go forward. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we kind of didn't expect that going into it, but we knew that was going to be one of the tracks that, uh, you know, was was going to be one of our toughest, and uh, it it sure was. So, um, yeah, like I said, we learned a bunch. Um, you know, stunk the place up, but uh, going to keep moving forward, and uh, you know, keep uh, keep trying to make this Yamaha go go faster and faster. Obviously, Yamaha being the title sponsor of that event, I'm sure they had you know high hopes of of uh, a better finish, and I know you certainly did as a racer. Um, you've uh, we know you can, though. We've seen it over the years. Jake Johnson's not a new name in flat track. Um, the MT-07 looks super cool, I think. Um, and you showed that that um, in Daytona it works. So um, what's it take to make that bike run at the front with the Indians? Uh, I mean, just have to get some traction. Uh, you know, Daytona was... I mean, you know, who, who, for whoever saw it, it was it was unique. You know, half the track was asphalt. You know, half was dirt. Um, you know, it was it wasn't too technical of a racetrack as far as design. You know, it was kind of just basically two straightaways with you know one was asphalt, one was dirt, and there was a jump in the middle of the one of them. But you know, it was bumpy, rough. You know, kind of technical in that aspect. So, um, you know, it kind of separated the field a little bit and uh you know i think it was one of those tracks where we're set up didn't didn't mean as much i mean 
you know, for us on these twins, on TTs, jumping them and turning left, right, and I mean, to be honest, none of them are that good <laughs> for, for what we're trying to do with them. So, uh, you know, I like to believe that, uh, you know, the, you know, just rider ability, uh, you know, kind of stands out on those kinds of tracks. Um, but, uh, you know, a place like Atlanta, you know, slippery and just, uh, you know, just, just hard, hard to go, you know, forward. It's one of them tracks where, uh, you know, the harder you try, the slower you go. So, and I was apparently trying way too hard. So you're saying it's like self-defeating, right? I mean, you have to be, you have to be race a smart race as well. Uh, and then you combine that with intermittent speed and that's how you win a race, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, like I said, like that, you know, Atlanta, it was, if I had nobody in front of me, um, you know, I could be calm and smooth and, you know, put in some decent laps. Like, you know, I qualified okay. Uh, I think I qualified 10th or something like that. And, um, you know, as soon as, uh, as soon as the adrenaline started going and you had guys in front of you trying to pass you, the throttle hand got a little too fast and, uh, you know, had, had some smoke rolling off the tire. So, um, you know, like I said, I think there were some things that, uh, you know, I, I could have done better. Um, there's things that, you know, I, I think we need to improve on on the bike, but, uh, but it's, you know, it's still early, you know, only the second race on it. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was, we kind of knew going into it that that was, uh, that was going to be one of our toughest. So, uh, I think we have some good tracks coming up, um, uh, Texas half mile, you know, that, that could be a little challenging for us. That could be, could be really similar to Atlanta, but, um, uh, you know, we have that, that crazy wild horse TT coming up, um, uh, what do we got? Then we got Paris half mile, you know, and then we get in the miles where I think that, uh, that Yamaha is really going to shine. Is so, it fast? Uh, it's fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's fast. But, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, one thing that kind of hurt us, uh, you know, at Atlanta, it's just, uh, you know, that was the type of track where you needed, needed a little John Deere tractor to, you know, just kind of chug around there and, and, uh, get the power down and, and just build momentum where, you know, I think, uh, you know, in a sense, I think maybe we had a little bit too much power. That thing, you know, when that thing puts the puts the tire to the ground and and uh, gets a hold of it, it it goes in a hurry. So, is that something, Jake, uh, where you can you can just change the throttle cam and and you know slow the bike down or not slow it down, but you know, as as a rider, you being a guy that's a veteran that's been there and done that, is it something where you can recognize, hey, I've got to, you know, I've got to. Uh, I need to, you know, I'm a little excited or whatever, and the thing's got crazy motor. I got a crazy, you know, tons of motor underneath me. Put a, put a slower, you know, a lazy throttle cam or something like that on it, or am I just sounding stupid here? Uh, no, no, that definitely helps. Because that's um, usually Scott's I mean, job. I do. Hey, hey. hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, we definitely play with that kind of stuff. I mean, that's kind of a... Uh, you know, a, a quick little easy thing you can change, you know, in between sessions or, or, you know, in between heat race and main event or something, just kind of not say a band aid, but, you know, just kind of something to help you out. But, um, you know, we played a lot with a lot of that, um, on Saturday, you know, with, uh, ignition mapping and things, trying to, trying to mellow the bike out and make it, you know, as easy to ride as possible. Um, you know, but like, you know, unfortunately we had the next day to, uh, you know, AFT kind of held a, like an open test, um, 
following day. So we learned a lot there. It's, uh, you know, it's hard on race day for us because it's, you know, we have basically 12, you know, or well, basically five laps of practice. And then we go straight into qualifying, you know, two five lap rounds and, you know, one 10 lap semi and a main event. So, you know, you can make changes and, and things, but you don't want to, uh, you don't want to stray too far from what you have and, and, you know, totally, uh, you know, totally mess up your night. So sure. Can you get, you try to creep up, try to creep up a little bit of on race day, but, uh, without taking too big a risk. Um, so I, I feel like that's kind of what happened. We were, we were making changes, but we were a little scared to, you know, to really kind of screw ourselves, but you know, we were apparently there anyway. <laughs> can you, uh, I mean, have you got some places where you can test coming into it where you're like, all right, let's, you know, and testing is a tedious thing. It always, you know, for people that don't know t- that haven't been there and done that, it's a long day to make very, very, very small gains. Yeah. And you know, and, and, Sometimes you, it's finding the correct facility to be able to do that to simulate the the race conditions that you guys are going to go out there and have to compete in isn't isn't that easy unless you're going racing on a Saturday night. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, you know testing and flat track is 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 fairly new. I mean, over the last five six years or so, you know, there's there's a little more money and teams have budgets to do it, but I feel it's it's probably one of the hardest, um, to go test, you know, like you said, it's, uh, you know, you, on a race day, you got, uh, you know, 80, a hundred motorcycles going around it, lay a groove down, you know, when you go test, you know, it's either by yourself or, you know, you got a couple teammates. Yeah. You're, you're not simulating, simulating uh race day. You're, you're working on points, I you mean, know, what, certain what, things. One, one thing that, uh, I've known living here in the Midwest in Iowa where the sprint car capital world's right down the street from us, a sprint car actually can work a track in pretty quickly, put down some good rubber for a groove track. And I've seen guys do it for testing purposes. And it's pretty interesting. Some of the things that the the guys can do if they know what they're, but not for a dirt bike track. Yeah. For, for a, for a flat track, it's, they do. Yeah. It it works pretty well. I'm sorry for a flat track. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can actually that makes good sense. And Knoxville, if you think about it, that dirt is absolutely perfect. It is good for for flat track racing. It yep. absolutely is. Up against the clock, dude. Who do you want to thank? Sponsors. Oh yeah, I got to of course thank uh, Essenson Racing. Uh, you know they're they've stepped up huge this year. Got a That's got cool. a big operation going, and uh, you know Monster Energy came on board. We got Yamalube, uh, Yamaha Racing, SNS. Uh, Fly, WPS, Dianese, uh Motion Pro, Vortex, Pilot Flying J, uh, True Line, Utility Trailers, uh, Mechanical Truck Center, uh, Rye Helmet, uh, CD Boots, um, Five Gloves, and uh, of course the uh, Light Shoe. Keep my keep my foot gliding across that that dirt every weekend. So uh, yeah, love it. Just, uh, t- t- couldn't do it without all those guys. And uh, yeah, I was just gonna going to keep fighting and uh, try to get that, that Yamaha moving forward. Get after him, bud. Do it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Jake Johnson's been our guest. Jake, thank you. 
Yeah, thank you. Anytime. Great conversation. Great conversation. Uh, if you missed any part of the show, go back and grab it. Bobby Fong, Evan Smith uh, was not on this week. We will rebook him. Tegan Temple was on. Brandon Robinson, Jake Johnson. A special uh, interview coming up. You're going to want to listen. It'll be after the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Pit Pass. Hi, this is Ed Morland. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos! 